and welcome to mini episode 81 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Before we start this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Kimberly McQuirk, Kimberly Johnson, Katie, Hannah McGlashan, Georgina Ann, Jessica Verdugo, Melissa White, Rosa Eaton, Hannah Mason, Paul Orr, Alice Hollingdale, James Brunton, Jamie Biren, Rona, Keelan Chambers, Kim Hughes, Keith Pearson, Tamazine Lewis, Stephanie Atkinson, and Jennifer Fox. Thank you so much for subscribing to Patreon. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I am so incredibly grateful for all of the love and support. And I have four spooky listener stories for you today. And the last story is from the 7th of August 2020. And story number one comes from Stephanie. When I was in junior high, I got in trouble with the law. And my mom thought going to church would set me straight. Fast forward a couple of years. I'm in the high school youth group with two counsellors and a handful of girls in my grade. The counsellors were Gail and Mary Rose. Gail was in her mid-thirties and Mary Rose was probably mid to late fifties, but the feistiest of us all. She was a breast cancer survivor and would colour the tips of her short blonde hair pink to remind herself of the hardship that she went through. During my senior year, Mary Rose fell pretty hard twice and went to the hospital to get checked. The doctors found something else that was wrong with her and kept her for a couple of days. On my senior prom night is when me and the girls in the youth group got a text message from Gail saying that Mary Rose had passed away from pneumonia. We were all crushed because we just loved her so much. A week or so later we all attended the funeral service and then later grabbed a bite to eat at her favourite restaurant, Mimi's Cafe. We sat in the back of the restaurant. Everyone was talking, but I was silent and thinking about our dearly departed. I looked up because I saw someone walking out to the lobby close to where we were. My jaw dropped, and I patted the girl next to me, saying, Oh my God, that woman looks just like Mary Rose, look at her. Everyone turned, looked, and went silent. The woman looked just like her. The short blonde hair, glasses, short sleeves like she always wore. We all decided it was Mary Rose going to the light, and looking back at us one last time. A couple of days later it was Sunday, and time to go back to the youth group. I knew the pastor would talk about Mary, so I sat in the back so no one would see me cry if I had to. Where the high school held the school church service was in a very large and cold room because it had concrete floors and heavy insulation, and we usually kept the lights off. As the pastor started talking about Mary Rose, I felt my chest heaving and tears forming but they stopped. I got a warm feeling on my back, like a handprint. I could feel the space between where the fingers would be separated on my back. Then the warm sensation got bigger, like someone was rubbing my back in a circular motion warming me up, just like Mary Rose would do when I would get upset. After that I knew she was safe and okay and looking after me, and that was the last church service I ever attended. This next one is rather creepy. A long time ago when I rented a room from a Hispanic family and was dating a guy I knew in high school, we watched Veronica at his place. It scared the crap out of me. 
The part when the creature is in her home and on the other side of the glass walking towards her is burned into my memory banks. At the time, I was starting to hate my job and the relationship wasn't doing much for me either. I'm easily influenced by my feelings and emotions. A typical cancer. So I started averting my eyes from the dark entrance to my bedroom, thinking a tall, dark man was there. I did everything to keep myself from looking there and kept my lights on as long as I could before bedtime. A week later I was on the phone with a friend, talking and I heard a helicopter outside my room. I looked at my window and saw a helicopter hovering with its lights pointed over the apartment complex. It was weird. The following day I saw broken taillight bits in the carport on my way to work. Later at work, I read a local news update about a guy in my complex who took his parents' car, hit the car next to him and then deliberately tried to run over his parents, take off and later hit a parked highway sheriff's car. He was arrested on the spot. The guy pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. In a different article I read, he said he was seeing demons and needed to run away. It was also believed that he was on drugs, but that could have been a cover-up for what he really meant. My friends and I used to visit the Ojai Nordehoff Cemetery, often at night time, and sometimes during the witching hour of 3am. On one particular night, my friends and I wanted a good scare, so we started at Scary Dairy, which is an abandoned crematorium from the old Camarillo State Mental Hospital that was shut down in 1997. There were local urban legends that when patients with no families would die, they would burn them in the crematorium, or worse kill them, chop them up and feed the bits to the other patients. But those are just local legends. While on the path we came to a fork in the road and in the middle of the fork was a tall leafy bush. The path on the left took you to an old airplane crash site and the right took you to Scary Dairy. We went for the juicier path. As we directed ourselves in that direction the bush started rustling and small sounds came out of it. We freaked thinking it was a bobcat or a rabid raccoon, so we went back to the cars. One guy was running his mouth about how we were pussies and we should have gone anyhow. So my friend Lola decided to take him to the cemetery to put his money where his mouth was. Soon after we got to the cemetery, got out of the cars and started walking around in a tight group. The guy zipped his lips and barely piped up. We walked and lightly talked about the environment. We found a sad but lovely headstone with a picture of a man and a woman and we talked about them for a bit and hear horses blowing their noses just a stone's throw distance away from us. We relaxed at the sound of the horses making their presence known and then we heard it. This deep inward snarl that sounded like it was coming from a hog or a big heavy dog. The guy screamed first and then everyone else and we flew back to the cars and took off down the road. Two minutes later, the screaming and the hollering turned into laughter and we calmed down. We went back to the cemetery, but nothing else happened for the rest of that night. Another night, my friends and I jumped into my friend's car and drove up to the cemetery. This is probably my third visit to the cemetery, and there was five of us in total. My friend who was driving Lola told us that she brought a Ouija board and we all freaked out. I'd never experienced one and I wasn't looking forward to it either. Once we got out of the car, we started playing the game. Fortunately, Lola had instructions. A boy and a girl are to barely touch the planchette. You welcome friendly spirits 
and at the end must say goodbye no matter what. My friends Miguel and Lola placed their hands on the board, but nothing really happened. She asked the little girl residing here in the cemetery who used to sing if she would come out and play, but no answer. With no luck, we gave up and said goodbye and put the board in the car. The other half of my friends wandered around the cemetery, but Lola wanted to talk to me in the car about boy gossip. So we were sitting inside the car, when our friend Miguel promptly jumped in, shivering and saying, Guys, I don't, I don't feel so good. Now, this is a summer night in Ojai. It's warm and a perfect 68 degrees out. No one should be cold. Yet Miguel is still shivering in the back of the car when me and Lola look at each other and hop into the back with him. We warm him up with our hands and Lola says, Tell it to go away, that it's not welcome here. Tell it to go away and you don't want it here. Say out loud or in your head, go away. I didn't understand or know what she was talking about. But soon after, Miguel relaxed and felt a lot better. We laughed, shrugged it off and joined the others. And we started to talk about how the Ouija board was a bust and thinking of checking something else out. We mull over the idea but stopped when we heard rustling in the dark hedges. Something heard us and was coming towards us. We froze, thinking of what it could possibly be. The rustling stopped. And an orange tabby kitten walked out. The cutest thing in the whole cemetery. Nothing spooky happened after that, just coyotes howling in a pack in the nearby neighbourhood. But that's common in Ojai since it's surrounded by the mountains. When I was little, my father ran off with another woman, leaving me, my pregnant mother and my unborn brother to fend for ourselves. Due to this we moved around a lot, but thankfully had my grandparents to help us out while my mom was working full time. When I was five, we moved into this two-storey, two-bedroom apartment complex in a nice neighbourhood. My mom had my brother, we got a dog and I started a new school not too far away from the house. After a while I became a latchkey kid and walked to and from school every day. On a normal day my mom was at work, my grandmother had my brother and I came home from school and started watching TV. It was a bright, sunny day, nothing out of the ordinary. And then I heard it. Creaking on the upstairs floor, which would have been my mother's room. The creaking started from her closet in the middle of the room and then moved to the window, which was right above me. I sunk into the couch while clutching the remote, listening to the creaking like someone swayed back and forth, shifting their weight. I looked to my right where the other couch was. My dog was there laying down, so it wasn't her, it wasn't me, and no one else was in the house. I turned up the volume and brushed it off. Around this time I started to sleepwalk. There were only two incidents that my mother recalls. Nothing spooky, just remembered it happening around the time that I saw the little boy. Since it was still a fairly new house for us, I would get up in the middle of the night to go to sleep with my mom. But she caught on and told me multiple times, you've got to sleep in your own bed now. On this particular night, I disregarded what she said and went over to her bedroom like I did most nights. But this time she took away the extra pillow. So I went back to my room to get a pillow and that's when I saw him. A little boy, around the same age as me, standing not two feet away, 
in my stand-up mirror looking right at me. I was petrified. I stood there looking at him and the background where he was. It was like some sort of time loop. Standing in the dirt, he looked like a newspaper boy from the 1850s with a vest, suspenders, a white thermal shirt and a cabbie hat. An old wooden building like a saloon was off in the distance behind him. Then his arms started to lift. His index finger stretched out as if to point at me. I knew I didn't want him to directly point at me and I didn't know what was going to happen so I screamed. I screamed and ran into my mother's room almost flying down the short hallway crying and telling her about the boy in the mirror. I don't remember anything else about that night and after that I never liked that mirror and eventually broke the mirror into pieces and it was thrown away. After that, I can't recall anything unnatural happening in that apartment again. I asked my mom about that night not too long ago, and she still doesn't know what to make of it, and then drops the subject quickly. And story number two comes from Angelica. One night, while summering in my family's home overseas, I was going to the bathroom like I usually do. I had gotten out of bed and walked out into the main hall. The way the house was designed, you could see the entire span of the house by standing near the front door. From where I was standing near the main entrance, I could see directly into the kitchen. The entire house was dark, as it usually is late at night. The country actually had rations on electricity and water. The electricity would work for a few hours in the morning and a few hours every night. Not wanting to wake up my grandmother to light a candle for me as we slept in the same room, I had decided to just go on without one, as I had done many times before. I started down the hall and got to the dining room before I realised the back door was wide open. The back door was solid steel and had two large padlocks put on it every night. The kitchen was pitch black and the only light was the moonlight outside the door. It was as if the light didn't want to come in. And that's when it walked out from the shadows in front of the door. It was tall and skinny, with long legs and arms. I thought it was my uncle at first, as he was living with us at the time and was sort of lanky. But as it walked closer, I could see that it was not my uncle, but a tar-black creature. Its skin looked like burnt leather. There were black voids where the eyes would be. It had long fingers that blended into long black nails or claws. It reached the threshold of the kitchen when I realised that it was still coming towards me. The little bit of light coming from the cracks in the shuttered windows glistened off its teeth as it cracked a wide smile opening its mouth at me. I bolted into the room next to me and slid under the bed. I could feel the room grow cold and I heard this thing plap, plap, plap as his footsteps grew closer. I saw its clawed feet standing in the door now. I shut my eyes tight and clasped my hands on my mouth to hide my breathing. Suddenly, I was bolt upright. I was in bed and it was already late in the morning. I was sure this had happened. But now I doubted it, was it all a dream? I told my grandmother about my experience that night and she brushed it off as my imagination. I was starting to doubt it even happened until I encountered it again. 
And story number three comes from Holly. I've just listened to day five of 30 Days of Terror and needed to write in. I too can predict if a lady is pregnant. I always put it down to a weird thing or coincidence, however when I heard someone else write this, it struck a chord with me. I've predicted both times that my cousin is pregnant. With her first we met up for food and I said, you're pregnant. And she didn't even know she was. I told her I could just feel it. We went to a shop and got a pregnancy test and she was. With the second child, we met up and she said I have something to tell you and I told her she was pregnant. She hadn't told anyone apart from my aunt and uncle who I don't really see or speak to. These instances, I thought it must be just a strong bond we have. Or it was just a weird timing on my part. However, we bumped into my partner's friend while out shopping and as they walked away I told my partner that she was pregnant. And a week or two later she put on her Facebook page she was pregnant. I've done it several times with colleagues and acquaintances over the years. Unlike the lady in the story, mine doesn't come in dreams. It's just a feeling I get, like a flutter. My second story is about sleepwalking, talking and paralysis. I'm a sleepwalker. Sometimes I wake up in places and I don't know how I got there. Other times I know I'm doing it and I can't stop myself. If I'm poorly, I tend to go into a deep sleep and that's when I don't know what I'm doing. If I'm stressed, it's normally when I know that I'm doing it. I call it a paralysis because I can't feel anything, but I can see myself moving and I can't stop it. I also suffer from sleep paralysis and there have been several times I've awoken in the night and not been able to move. Again, this is down to stress. Nearly all of the time I never see anyone or anything, apart from my surroundings and feeling like I can't move. There has been an occasion where I saw someone stood at the side of my bed a tall, looming figure with a wide-brimmed hat, talking another language. It feels like they are emanating a force to keep me down and like someone has pinched my nose and mouth, stopping me from breathing. Over the last few months, I have woken my partner up and said that there was somebody stood at the side of the bed, the man with the hat. The first time he thought I was awake, as when I talk in my sleep I normally can't hold a normal conversation and just talk rubbish. He'll ask me a question and I'll come out with something totally irrelevant about a pink elephant dancing in the garden. You get my drift. However, when I'm seeing the hat man, I hold a conversation. He'll turn around and I'll be sat up pointing to the very same place every time, asking can't he see him? He's staring at us, why won't he leave? The way Martin knows I'm asleep is if he waves a hand in front of my eyes and I don't react and just keep staring. Eventually... I go back to sleep, but I never remember this event. Whether it's an entity or just a dream, who knows. However, Martin says, it's not like when I normally sleep talk. It's like I'm with it and absolutely terrified. And story number four comes from Chris. Growing up as a child, I lived in a three-bedroom house with my younger brother and my parents but we also had a presence that resided with us. The kitchen, dining and sitting rooms were all open plan. My mother would frequently see a small boy staring at her from the archway between the sitting and dining room when she would be in the kitchen. Initially she believed that she had seen my brother and I or one of our friends, but would upon inspection discover that she was home alone and the doors and windows were locked. The activity seemed to centre around my mother, She would be cleaning the toys in my brother's room and hear and feel a small presence walk in behind her 
and even hear breathing, only to turn around and find that she was alone. I can verify some of the activities she has relayed over the years myself. I can tell you that I also heard the disembodied small footsteps run up and down the hallway at night from my bed. I'd hear my mother yell out, I'm here, thinking my brother had awoken only for both of us to discover that he was sound asleep in his bed and hadn't moved. We kept it all from my father because he would have laughed at us. Until white as a sheet one day, my mother saw him get up from the dining table and check the entire house. They were home alone together. He came back to the kitchen and said to my mother, You're going to think I'm crazy, but I just saw a boy standing in the archway. The only experience I had visually happened when I was 14. I remember it was 1998 and about 9.30pm. I can even remember the episode of Band of Brothers that was playing on the TV. I was sitting at the dining room on the chair, situated at the archway. I was doing my homework and there was a flash of light and a breeze rushed past me. It was enough to make my note pages flick in the air. I sat in silence for what felt like ten minutes until I eventually moved. I wandered aimlessly up to the hallway to find my mother reading in bed. She took one look at me and asked me what was wrong and said, you look like you've seen a ghost. And I told her that I had. The activity died down as my brother and I got older. But fast forward to now and I have three small children of my own. When my eldest daughter Talia was three, she'd been in the lounge room at my childhood home with my mum. She came out to my mum in the kitchen and asked for a band-aid. She said, I need it for the boy because he has an ouch on his foot. My mother went with my daughter into the lounge room with a band-aid only for my daughter to say, Oh, he's gone now, and went back to whatever she was doing like nothing had happened. I think the boy now lives at my house with me and my kids. My son Caleb and my youngest daughter Adeline had a quite heated debate about the other boy that lived in the house. Talia is now six and doesn't report any strange activity. But one night after the youngest two were asleep, Talia and I were in my bedroom reading when I heard small footsteps running up and down the hallway. I got up and checked to find Caleb and Adeline were fast asleep in their beds. I thought nothing of it and went back to Talia. She asked which one was up and I said that they were both asleep. She looked at me frightened and told me that she had heard it too. Other things happened like Caleb's transformers going missing only to turn up sitting in the middle of the coffee table when I was the only one at home. The shadow figure I see sometimes is only three foot tall. I don't think it means anyone any harm but I think for whatever reason he's just tied to the children in my family. I was dating a woman for about two and a half years, who was very troubled fighting her own demons, but she also rented a haunted house. We dubbed the ghost Frank, because my girlfriend was convinced it was the man who died there, but I think it was a woman. It's an oldish house built in the 1940s. The interesting part is, I think the ghost liked me, but hated her, for the way that she lived her life. I will share some of the encounters. My girlfriend's power had been cut off again due to failure to pay the bills. I was bored one night and took a candle into her kitchen to do the dishes, etc. I was standing at the sink working away. The door to the kitchen is to the right of the sink. I saw in the dim light the shape of a woman watching me from the doorway. 
I saw it enter and circle behind me and stand at my back. I assumed it was my girlfriend and expected an arm to come around my waist. When this didn't happen, I turned around to find that I was alone. Even though I would have seen the person if they left again, I still thought it must have been my girlfriend and I just somehow missed her leave. I walked to her bedroom to find her sound asleep. Another time, my girlfriend was in her bedroom and for no reason, her body-length mirror fell on top of her while she had her back to it. Miraculously, she only received very minor superficial cuts to her back and legs. I found out later it happened immediately following her telling me a lie. There was all the other stereotypical goings-on like disembodied voices, footsteps and loud crashes from other rooms only for everything to be found where it was supposed to be. But I never felt threatened always welcomed and my girlfriend always felt unease and unwanted in the home i have more stories but i'll save them for another day i can tell you that i've had a brush with the whistler but i didn't know what it was at the time the man in the hat as far as i'm concerned is a demon i met him once doing something i shouldn't have and our agreement was sealed with his famous smile and i have countless stories from my 10 years serving as a detective in the police force with some creepy occult stuff as well as the odd ghostly encounter. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you can hear a little rumbling in the background, it's because Bimmy is sitting on my knee again and is refusing to move and is purring very loudly. Thank you to Stephanie, Angelica, Holly and Chris for your stories. As always, I love getting listener stories. So if you feel like you would like to send one in, you can send it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find out everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you next week. <laughs>